Thank you for joining us on our LWCC podcast. Right now, you're going to hear a message from our senior pastor and founder of Living Word, Pastor Ruben Reyna. Let's jump into our word. What a good team. Come on, give them another, another, another welcome. <clears throat> you may be seated. The Lord bless you. Last week we were covering on the building and the obstacles, building and the obstacles. And we found out about confusion, how the spirit of confusion runs wild how everything is changing, all our reference points are changing, male, female, and all that stuff. And we got into it, and it was, I thought it was pretty good. And uh, also, we got into a whole lot of things. There's three things that I brought out that I didn't emphasize, but it was Jesus was baptized publicly. He was, he was witnessing publicly, and he also died publicly. In other words, Jesus was not ashamed of who he was and what he had to do on the earth. And I think you and I need to come to to that place where we agree with ourselves and our conscience that we will be what God wants us to be wherever we're at. And if we can live with that conscience and have it clear and pure, then God can use us because we're following the pattern that he left us here. And that pattern is pretty, pretty heavy when you really understand publicly you got baptized, publicly you witnessed, and publicly you will die. So we ain't got nothing to lose. We got everything to win because Jesus died for us. So the second point that I want to bring out is the cause of confusion. There's too many people that are walking around confused. And the devil's strategy in using confusion is to get you out of God's will. So remember, when you feel confused, the strategy is is to get you out of God's will. So you got to fight for your life. You got to bind that spirit of confusion because it is a demon. It is a demon. And you can see it when people start arguing and people start not understanding each other, the next thing that drops is confusion, and then they want to duke it out because they don't even know what they're fighting. They're not fighting their neighbor. They're fighting the spirit that just came between your neighbor. So you got to understand and discern that you got to fight against the enemy. Sometimes the best thing you can do is be quiet. Be quiet. Keep the peace. Okay, no problem. Go ahead and go. I'll see you tomorrow sometime when you get cured. But I am not leaving God's will over that, whatever it might be that. So sometimes we get into confusion when we're, confusion comes in to get you out of balance. And here's where he gets you out of balance. You become double-minded. 
double-minded. Double-minded men are unstable in all their ways. You're double-minded. And when you're double-minded, the enemy can play with you because you're of a double. You got two heads now instead of one. And you're listening to either one and you're confusing. You're allowing confusion to come right in and to take away your stability of who you are, of who you are. Sometimes you could be driving in the car and you could feel something that's way off. And you got to rebuke it. Come on, some, somebody say a loud amen. You got you to rebuke it because that thing is so potent. And you could really actually even feel it in your car. What just happened? What, did I, what kind of hitchhiker did I pick up? Because it tries to destroy you. It destroys and brings you into a double-minded, unstable in all your ways. So I want to deal with three critical uh, reference points for our Christian walk. One of them is headship. Second of all is fellowship. And third of all is conscience. Conscience. Headship, fellowship, and conscience. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for allowing us to be here. <clears throat> I just pray your blessing upon us. I pray the Holy Spirit will take over this church, and I pray that you will minister to us. And when we walk out of here, we'll walk out, of so walk out like soldiers, ready for war. We ask you this in the wonderful name of Jesus, amen and amen. Headship. To me, headship is just leadership. Who's in charge? Who's in charge? Like, I'll explain that in a little bit. But fellowship is something that we have to learn how to cross barriers with each other and put up with each other and get to know each other. That really helps. And the other thing is having a good, clean conscience. Because when you violate your conscience, then you'll become a big liar. How many here were big liars? Okay, there's only a few of you. The rest of you will see what God does with you. Amen. <laughs> headship. Sometimes headship is to accept correction from somebody that really cares for you, a leader that really loves you, and you're not, you're not used to being corrected, you get real rebellious. You, you get your feelings hurt when they tell you, no, don't do that. And I think one of the, the words that our generation has to know is no. No, you can't do that, no. So when you go to jail, you know how it is, they take all the no away from you, whether you like it or not. When you go military, you give your life all over to the military, and, you, and that's what they teach you. Don't you dare open up your mouth. Don't you dare come against authority because we'll put you in jail, we'll put you away. Why? Because you're rebellious and you can't, you don't know the word no. So to all the veterans, hallelujah, happy Veterans Day to all of you. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think they ought to give you something to eat free today. I hope they're listening in the kitchen. And just thank you for your service. So veterans, come on, give them a good clap offering. They're here. They're a blessing. They're a blessing. So where was I? Oh, yeah. It's just like when I'm counseling people, I tell them what to do, how to do it. And then they say, I know you're right, but. Why do we always need a but in the way, you know? 
don't understand it, I never understood it, but it's just that that's the way we're built inside. We think we know it all, and we put the big but in front of everything. But you don't understand my condition. But you don't understand my family. But this and but that. I just gave you a solution and gave you medicine for it, and you're still seeing but. <laughs> like a pastor has never gone through anything that you go through. In the book of Ephesians, listen to the scripture in chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints and for the work, the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. Notice that he puts it very, very clear. I gave some apostles I gave some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers for the perfecting of the faith and for the working of the ministry and for the edifying of the body. So the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, the evangelists, they are all there just to perfect the body, to take away the wrinkles, to take away the weird thinking that you have. And if you listen, you will advance further than you've ever been. Because now you're all ears like Ross Perot. And you're taking it in. And God can do something in your life. Instruction is everything. If you learn the instructions and you learn the laws of God, how God works, then you respect everything that God has placed in front of you. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Be ye followers of me as I am of Christ. In other words... People say, well, why does God use a man? Because God gave gifts unto man and then placed them behind the pulpit so that you can respect them. Of course, we have to earn your respect by helping you and all that. But at the same time, at the same time, you have to learn how to follow. Turn around and tell your neighbor's time to learn how to follow. You know? Because when you're following, it's more, you become more of a, a person that's listening. And the fruit of your listening begins to grow in your mind and your heart and your spirit. But if you don't allow it to grow, then you st you'll always be a baby, a midget. You will only grow so far because that's as far as you want to go. So I'm saying midgets in spirit. You know, that's what I'm saying, okay? <clears throat> also, and Paul's saying in, uh, I think it was 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 4, verse 12, be examples to the believer. Or Corinthians, I kind of mix my scriptures here. Yeah, 2 Timothy 4, 12. Be examples to the believers. So the main thing of learning is to become an example in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in purity, in the purity of your faith. So you have to be an example. So it's hard to me to listen to a person that knows, all, knows, knows it all. You know, some people think they know it all and they know nothing. They've never been behind the pulpit. They've never been in the teaching. They've never been involved in anything. They're just people, but they think they know more than you. And I have to take the humble position to bring you into your growth so that you can listen to us and that you, we can allow us to speak into your lives because we want to see everything that God has for you.
And sometimes, you know, I've worked with a lot of weird people, like Edgy, when you see Edgy, Edgy is more refined today than he's ever been since he was a young man. When he was young, he was beating up everybody, walking with blood. Where you been? I, I was fighting over there because they didn't want to accept the Lord. <laughs> I mean, that's the way of the world to bring respect. Come on, somebody. That's, that's what we do, right? But when you see edgy now, you see him a total different way. I mean, he's still edgy, he's still raw sometimes, but still now he's way different than what he used to be. Why? Because he was paying attention. He was, I was an example to him. I took care of him. I nurtured him. I brought him up in the things of God. And he's very respectful in those things. When you see John, John was a lover boy. Him and Desiree, I had to, you know, he would call me at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'd tell him, what do you want? He said, well, I'm so sorry. I said, well, don't, don't call me at this time. Call me, come and see me during the daytime because I'm not up at 3, 3 in the morning. And I said, I'm going to give you discipline when I see you because you're acting like a weirdo, you know. <laughs> so, so I had to give them discipline. And, and, and Desiree, too, you know, they were all in love, birds in love. I mean, they were in love. I, I couldn't keep them away. So I finally married them, and they started paying attention, and today they are what they are. And then all, the, all their children are beautiful. When I see them worshiping, my heart, you know, blooms inside of me. Because they took in all the teaching, they took what I had, and all now they're ex, ex showing it in their fruit. So what am I saying? You gotta learn how to pay attention to the pastor, because he's the authority. Now we don't. I don't walk around like you know I'm the pastor. You know I, I don't treat you that way. Like I come in all dressed up into the stiff and. You know, I, I don't do that, you know. I, I, like to, I like to meet you. I like to talk to you. I like, I like to respect you and show you that I'm just a man. I'm a man. I'm a man and, and I go through stuff just like you do. The only thing is I don't go back to the way I used to be. I keep following Christ and becoming an example to all of you. So you have to be that person that listens to authority. Listen to me. If you don't listen to authority, you are actually rebelling against God. Because the scripture says, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, teachers for the perfecting of the saints and for the working, working of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. That's what they're for. I don't want to become rich. I just want to see you make it. You know, at my age, you never know when I'm going to disappear. Let me say it again. At my age, you never know when I'm going to disappear. Now, when I'm saying disappear, die. <laughs> Don't get all spiritual. I'm talking about death, okay? <clears throat> so the more instruction you receive, the more you become closer to the reference point. But if you don't accept instruction, you'll float away. How many have ever been in the beach in a tube and you start in one area and pretty soon you look back and you're way over there and you say, how did I get there? The waters drifted you that way. And a lot of times we drift in our imaginations 
And we think that we're doing everything right, but we're all, we're far away from the shore of where we started. Before you were humble and now you're proud. Before you stopped cussing and you're still cussing. You know, before you were this or you were that, and now, now that you allowed yourself to drift and not looked at your reference point, now you are destroying that reference point by the way you're acting. That's why I tell you the 11th commandment. Say it again. The 11th commandment is what? Duh. How many here, man, you've been, you've been in Christ for a long time, and it's taken, some, some people take 20 years to grow up. And you have to be patient with them until they come to 20 years, 30 years, sometimes even takes 40. And sometimes even takes a person dying and saying to me, I am sorry, Pastor, I'm sorry, but I love you, but I messed up a lot of times, but I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I said, okay, well, now you're leaving. Say hi to Jesus for me. Those are realities. Those are realities. So instead of talking bad about the leaders, you ought to get your head together. Because that's rebellion. When you point the finger at your leader, you're actually saying to God, he doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, it's getting holy in this place. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hebrews. Chapter 3, 13, I'm sorry, chapter 13, I think it's verse 7. Yes, verse 7. Obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch over your souls, as they must give an account that they may do it with joy. Now listen to the last part. Not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Obey the rulers, right? And submit, for they watch over your souls. Let me tell you, I, I pastored for a long time, but I think this is one of the greatest churches I pastored. Because I have some good people that have been refined. And good people that are, are respectful. Yeah, some of you run your mouth up, but <laughs> I expect that. Because I understand that sometimes it takes a little while longer for you to grow, so I wait for you. Even though I have you in the cart, that little wagon that you take your kids with, I've got you right there. Okay, come on. You're still there? Yeah, okay. Oh, no. But it doesn't matter. Human life is very important to me, and the more they, are, the more they hear, the more God is going to do for them. But understand, do not attack leadership because that will mess you up it'll mess you up it says it right there at the end and not with grief don't do it with grief for that is not profitable for you not profitable for you you're messing yourself up you'll get more confused and more stubborn and we have to buy you a bigger wagon hallelujah but do I say that with ugliness? No, I'm making you laugh because sometimes laughter, you receive the medicine well. You may receive the medicine. So the pastor is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. So how, how can you oppose 
the gift of God when he tells you that they're gifts. Gift. If, if, when I gave Stella her first ring, oh my God, that big old diamond I gave her. No, no, it was a small diamond. Uh, I'm sorry. To start off with, because we didn't have money, but she loved that ring. She loved it. She respected it. She valued the ring, but she valued me more. Listen to this. Loved me more because I valued her. And when I gave her the biggest rock that I could give her, she loved me more. Not because of the ring, but because I gave her honor throughout the years. So honor is a blessing to all of us here. When you give honor to the man of God, you bless yourself. Because you're blessed, you're actually saying, I'm obeying what you're saying, Lord. Yes. Not what everybody is telling me. I'm obeying what your word has to say. And that's important because then you understand who's in charge. Now, I understand there's some crazy pastors out there that they run on ego and all that stuff. You don't have one like that. You don't have nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. I'm already wasted, so... So, you have to come to that place where you honor God. As a matter of fact, some of you are really good to me when everything was happening to me. You encouraged me. Even the bad ones encouraged me. You know, even the, the slow ones encouraged me. But I, I found out that the value of life is so beautiful that people always come through with good words and give you back respect. And that really healed me and did a lot for me. And uh, some people thought I was going to backslide. I said, Brother, I'm 71 years old. What am I going to do? Get drunk and go straight to heaven? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to go out there and you know, womenize. What do I want to do that? It's too late. <laughs> I look at myself when I used to be and what I am. Charlie, I mean, it's just a way out no more. Some things are reality, right? Some of us got more wrinkles now than we have when we first, you know, got saved. Some of us are losing our hair, and then uh, when we get older, your, your chest drops to your stomach. It's a reality. But I honor all the thoughts and all the care, knowing that they care for the gift that God has placed in their lives. And that, to me, it shows value of the work of God. But you can never allow rebellion to come in. Because rebellion will destroy you. Tell your neighbor, rebellion will destroy you. When something happens to you and somebody violates you, you know, words or indeed whatever, give it to God. Even though you feel like taking things in your hands, give it to God because it's not worth it. It's not worth it. But here the Bible brings out an illustration in the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 15, verse 23. And he says these words because of Saul. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. Because Mr. Saul arrived into a place where he thought he knew it all, but he didn't want to pay instructions to it no more because 
He thought he knew it all. When you think you know it all, you know nothing. That's what I found out. You don't know nothing because everything can change. You could have all these great ideas. Everything can change. You could have all this. You can even exalt the man to a high place and then all of a sudden he looks weird. And you go, wow, what was that? Rebellion, that's what that was. Doing whatever you wanted to do, but you had it all the time in your heart. It just when the pressure came down, it got exposed. Let me read it again. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness, there's that word again, is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. The results of being rebellious and not listening is confusion and insanity and witchcraft. That's what happens. Confusion steps in, insanity steps in, and then witchcraft. It's amazing how I start counseling people, and while I speak, while I'm speaking to them, and they will, they'll always say this: "I know that you, I know that you're saying the right things, Pastor, but we don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We're done with doing." Godly, godly, godly ways. We're just done with it. I'll tell you something. They just lost the greatest blessing that they could ever have in their life because they're not listening to instruction. Listen to the book of Deuteronomy 17, verse 12. <clears throat> Are you ready for it? Is it behind me? Give me a loud amen. Okay. And the man that will do presumptuously and will not hearken unto the priest that standeth to minister there before the Lord thy God, or unto the judge, that means the ruling judge out there, even that they shall die, they shall die, and thou shalt put away the evil of Israel. Wow. They shall die. That's the word. That's the final word. Forget doing time. They're going to die. It says, and, and, and just burying them, and we got rid of the evil. Well, let me tell you something. People that are rebellious usually do die faster than others because they think they know it all when they know nothing. And they're coming against the laws of God. And those are laws that I didn't make, but it's the laws that God placed in the Bible. And I'll go back to James chapter 3, verse 16. Listen to this. It's a simple scripture, but it says a lot. For where envy and strive is... There is confusion in every evil work. Wherever there's envy, strive, there is confusion. You know, see, a lot of people want to fight in church. I have to get in the middle and say, hey, stop it. You want to fight? Go over there, down the street, fight over there. But don't do it here. Because I don't want nobody getting confused here for being idiots. The 11th commandment is what? I'm telling you, it works. So, we need to learn how to obey. I didn't, I didn't say, let me just put it this way. I would never tell you to go to a jungle and drink some kind of poison with me. 
Never. If you're going to drink, that's on you. I will never tell you to do that. I would not tell you to give all your money to me. I'll never tell you that. But I will tell you, pay 10% to God, give an offering, and that's it. But I would never tell you to do some weird, weird stuff. You don't have to worry about that. I'm happy. I got my truck. I jump in my truck. I go home. I'm excited. That's it. That's my life. And I enjoy it. I get on my truck. I said, thank you, God, for this truck. You're so amazing. You know what to give me in my last days, a truck. Not a Cadillac, not a Mercedes-Benz, a Ford 150. <laughs> so I'm happy, you know? I mean, if, if, I, if you see me driving a Mercedes one, is that because I got anointed to get one? <laughs> Especially if I don't have a bill, hallelujah. That's even better. So are you getting what I'm saying here? Respect those that God has placed in front of you. Don't treat them as just, treat them as good people, treat them respectfully, you know, and don't, don't, don't pick them up so high. That's, that's not what we want. What we want is for you to obey. That would do everything that you had to do and make our lives easier. I got Rigo over there. Rigo, wave your hand. How long have you been with me, Rigo? 16 years. Running the home. Yeah. When everything happened to me, you know who was bringing me food to the house? Rigo. Picking up burritos, and he lives far. Picking up burritos, coffee, and whatever. He just brought it to the house and left it there. A lot of you did that, too. But, but what I'm saying is that when you listen, you get blessed. That's what I'm saying. When you listen, you get blessed. Now, how many can tell me that you have all your kids or almost all of them here in the house of God and just give me a, that you're blessed that you have your kids? So, okay, now, hang on, don't, don't, I'm not, getting, I'm not done yet. <laughs> Some of your kids were born in the house of God. They're coming. They are coming, whether they like it or not. Because you brought them up in the ways of God and nobody gets away with it. So be encouraged in your heart that God's going to do something beautiful in your kids. All right, I threw that for free. Point two, fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship is, is beautiful. Like we're having this Maranatha, right? I told you, no, let's just do a Maranatha. You know what Maranatha means? The Lord is coming. So we're going to have this Thanksgiving. I want you to come to church. Don't come dressed, okay? I mean, don't come just uh, weird, but just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Just put your grubbies on, is what I'm saying. And after, after the service, we're going to fire up the barbecues. Bring your barbecues. Bring some food. Let's just fellowship. Let's just enjoy it right after the service. Bring enough food to give somebody else some. But let's just enjoy each other. So with that, we, all of us could fellowship. And, and, and I ask you this, hey, be nice with your words while you're here. Just say, hey, it's good to have you here. You know, what have you been doing? Tell me what you've been doing. You know, stuff like that. But don't, don't start judging people, you know, right away. What are you wearing that for? 
Shut up. <laughs> One thing that you have to learn as a, as a shepherd, you cannot spook the sheep. They get spooked right away. They get spooked right away. So learn how to use your words and to be kind to each other because there's no sense into it. Learn to build bridges and have good fellowship while we get there in that Maranatha day and just have a good time. And if you ain't got nothing good to say, just give them a smile. Give me a high five and move on. And if you know you got something bad to say, move on. Pastor said, move on. Shut it, move it. You got to shut it, shut it. You got to move it, move it. And, and let's create an atmosphere of fellowship. And, and the reason why we're doing that is because we know that a lot of us like to live lives of, of isolation. By, by just normally, we like to isolate ourselves. Ladies like to get together. Men, you know, I don't know, you know, only, only if they got football going or a piece of meat, then they, oh, okay, well, fellowship. But there's nothing wrong with that. But the whole thing is to get together as a body and have fellowship. Look at, stand up, Jesse. You know, just you, you look real nice right now. Just stand right there and turn around that way. Turn around that way. Look at, this is a body, just like my body. And everything in this body makes him function. When one part of that body goes bad, it could be the tiniest one, but it could send them to the hospital. So if all of us are healthy in body, the body will take care of itself. If all of us are healthy here, God says we're the body of Christ. We will all be healthy because we are listening to instructions to accomplish an atmosphere of fellowship and caring for each other. Thank you. Thank you. So we're the body of Christ. Some of you are known for since Jesus was born. <laughs> Don't believe me. Okay, just, just a comment there. This is why it's always good to get together and just get to touch bases with each other and love each other. That's why we got conferences. You know why we have conferences? We don't have conferences just to preach to you. We have conferences so we can all get together and you can all find out that we got a bigger family than what we have here. And when we start meeting people, then we start communicating and we start Facebooking and we start coding scriptures to each other and start loving it. Why now? Because we're expanding it and we want to create this fellowship, the, the, the loving care for each other so that the body can feel good. Oh, because when they see us, they say, oh, it's a bigger, bigger than what we thought. And when I hear the little church, oh, it's bigger than what we thought. Yes, it is. But you had to see it to believe it. So that's why we have conference. And the other thing is that everybody needs someone to be loved. Loving somebody. And I'm not, I'm not, talking, I'm not talking about the regular love that you hear in the world. I'm talking about gape love, of spending time with somebody and just caring for them and just loving them for what they are. Not what you can get out of them, for what they are. And when you spend time with them, you, you start finding out all their needs and then you start praying for them because you love them a whole lot more because now you know their needs. 
and you want to care for them. Because we're an isolated generation. We just like to be by ourselves. So we're, nothing is bothering us, but we need to step out of our own selves and become better people. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as some manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as we see the day approaching. Are we seeing the day approaching? It's coming. But let me read, read there. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Don't stay home. Push yourself because we like to be isolated. We like to, you know, we don't want to be bothered by nobody else, so we isolate ourselves. But exhorting one another, that means, not, that doesn't mean whipping, that means just encouraging one another. So much more as you see the day approaching. What day is approaching? Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back quick. All this that's taking place is not an accident. Everything that's been prophesied is happening to all of us, even to America itself. Why? Because God wants him to be number one. And he's got to get our attention. So our, fel our fellowship is one of the reference points that we need. And we need it now. We need it now. So that's why we're going to have a big barbecue. Come on. You got your parents? Bring your parents, set up your barbecue, buy enough food for them, bless them. It might be the last day you ever see them. Why not just bless them and be nice to them? And if anybody starts negative stuff, I don't do that. Let's pray. And let's get rid of this negative stuff and let's just pray. When we do that, everything begins to happen and, and everything begins to link up the way God wants it to be linked. Okay, so I'm moving along with conscience sake. <laughs> Don't forget, Paul was in prison, and what did he tell Timothy? He told Timothy these words, Get over here, because a lot of people have betrayed me, and bring me my robe, and bring me a blanket, so that I can rest, because my day is coming. Why? Because he was isolated in prison, and he needed a friend to show up and help them in the time of need. Third of all, conscience, conscience. Say with me, conscience. conscience. Knowing, what we, knowing what needs to be done and not doing it. Doesn't that bark loud in your conscience? When your wife tells you, cut the grass. Two weeks later, it looks like a jungle. Your conscience said, she told me, but I didn't obey her. Now I gotta work twice. And usually that's what happens. When your conscience is not clear, you got to work twice as hard to bring a clean conscience. God rewards us when we do what's right. How many feel good when you do what's right? And, and you feel like evil is present, but you want to do what's wrong, and you don't do it, and you do what's right, and you, you feel the satisfaction that comes into you. It's a reward that God gives you when you do what's right. When you do what's right. God tells me to do certain things. I said, Lord, are you sure? Are you sure you want me to do that? And it keeps coming to me. And the more that I ignore it, the more it comes to me. And then when I do it, 
I feel, wow, I'm glad I did it because it touched me and it touched me to see what happened to people's consciences. They woke up. They woke up just by one good deed. You help a person in their conscience to love God more, to know that God is real because you did something beautiful for them. They wake up to that reality that God is really real and that God really cares for them. Are you getting that? It's very simple. See, conscience will judge you, judge you when you do wrong. How many have ever felt that? Your conscience goes off. <laughs> every time, listen to this. Every time you violate your conscience, you numb the signal of right judgment. Let me read it again. Every, every time you violate your conscience, you numb the signal of right judgment. Conscience, listen to this one. Conscience is what hurts you when everything else feels good. You can be in the middle of the party and have a good time wherever you're at. And then your conscience just begins to deal with you like you did wrong over there. And pretty soon it bums you out because you can't act right. Because your conscience has been violated. Conscience judges you in the light of eternity. Co-witness. You know what's going to happen when you get to heaven? Your conscience is your camera. When you get to heaven, Malachi, when you get to heaven, your conscience is going to give you up. You don't have to say a single word. Just like that screen behind me is going to roll your movie of everything you did. And then it's going to judge you. Can you imagine? How many here have ever acted stupid and ugly? Can you imagine re-seeing how many times you acted that way? It's a projector you got. It's a camera rolling. It's rolling and it's, it's recording everything. When you told your husband, you're going to pay for everything you did. It's going to roll. <laughs> and everything you did to him, it's going to roll. And then when you say, I didn't do that. I didn't. God said, shut up, you did. I got it on film. <laughs> Conscience is what hurts you when everything else feels good. Conscience judges you in the light of eternity. Too many people, listen to this, this is us here. Too many people have taught their conscience to roll over and die. It doesn't matter. Roll over and die. The reference point that keeps you on track is your conscience. Like today, didn't it feel good with that cold weather? You just, oh my God, the pillow and the, having a romance. Like, oh my God, it's so nice and warm. I don't want to get up. And your alarm is going up six, seven, eight. Then your conscience, get up. The Holy Ghost, get up. You got to go to church. You did what was right and you're here. Aren't you glad you made it? Even if you were late, you made it. It doesn't matter. The only way to heal up your conscience is to do what's right. Tell your neighbor, do what's right, neighbor. Do what's right because that's what's going to get you. I'm going to read to you Romans chapter 2, verse 15. 
Well, let me read Hebrews, and I'll quit here. Hebrews 10, 22. 10, 22. Let us draw near true, uh, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil, from an evil conscience, and our bodies washed with the pure water. Doesn't it feel good when you repent and the water of God's word washes you and your conscience and your body is washed? Listen to Romans chapter 12, verse 15, which show the works, here we go, which show the works of the law written in your heart. It's in your heart. Their conscience also bearing them witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another in the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ accordingly to the gospel. After I read that, this is what came to me. Either have to change your life or change your conscience. Change your life or change your conscience. Because conscience it's going to say the truth for all the lies you said. It's going, to, it's going to tell Jesus. You're not even going to say a word. That conscience is just going to roll the film. 3D. Giant vibersonic speakers. Surround sound. You're the only one that's going to hear it. Because it's going to be a private judgment. So either correct it now, make it better, and let God do what He's going to do with us. Hmm? I always think, if I make a left, what's going to happen? If I make a, when I make a left or when I make a right, what's going to happen? I have to weigh it. Okay, this will cost me more, but it will bring me more results with people. So I have to always think that way. When I think that way, all of a sudden, People get blessed, people go beyond, everything good happens. I'm glad that I lasted this old. I am so happy to be at my age. I'm serious, I'm in love with me like crazy now. <clears throat> yeah. Every time something happens, it's all going to work out for better for you because God has better things for you than what you think he has. So I'm going to do two things right now. One, one thing. I'm going to ask um, Rubens, Ruben to come up here. I'm going to ask my other veteran to come up here over there. Um, Cliff, Cliff, come on. Come here. These are veterans. And they're good people. Amazing. Amazing. These people have paid the price for us. Great men of God. I want you to all stretch your hands. We're going to pronounce a great blessing in this fellowship of people. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for Cliff and I thank you for Reuben. I pray your divine blessing upon them that you will extend their lives and that you will keep them healthy in the name of Jesus. That you will keep them as reference points for us that we will never forget 
never forget all the good men that have passed away. And I thank you for their lives. I thank you that you kept them. I thank you that they're doing good. And I thank you most of all that you saved them and that the blessing of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is all over them now. Take care of them now in the name of Jesus. Let your glory just rest on them. And let our church appreciate them so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.